outcome of Inter-Miami's season has been determined, and the final nail has been hammered into the coffin. There will be no playoffs for the South Florida side in 2021. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio. That was some good teamwork right there. This is the number one podcast on all things Inter-Miami. My name is Franco Panizo. I am one-third of your co-hosting team. And joining me today, you've already heard their voices, although briefly, are Steve Brenner and Jose Armando. How are you guys doing today on this fine Tuesday evening? How are your Halloween weekends, the rest of them? Steve, I know you went for a run, so we'll start with you. How was the rest of your Halloween weekend? It, yeah, it was a very rock and roll. My wedding anniversary, we celebrated by going on a, doing a 5K in the morning. So, um, yeah, um, no costumes, no nothing. But uh, Saturday, Sunday night was quite quite cool you know halloween is not a massive thing in the uk certainly not like here um and different when you've got kids but um <laughs> it's uh, yeah it was lively it's people coming around giving out loads of candy had a couple of glasses of wine you know just to uh so take it in in what you know basically wasn't it wasn't a great performance was it really on on, on saturday a bit dispiriting tip we always knew that it was going to end in that way um but yeah the uh, maybe the the wine sort of helped uh, dull the sort of uh Annoyance at the fact they just didn't didn't manage to see it through. <laughs> so wait, there was no costumes. Did you dress up Alexa? Did Alexa get dressed up on on Sunday? Alexa, my what my daughter did. I think yeah, it's some sort of uh, princess or something like that. But no, um, no, no, no costumes for me. I'm, I'm just purely business. Give out the candy. That's it. There's no there's no costumes. My my friend was dressed as a sriracha bottle, and uh, it just looked ridiculous. And I kept telling him that, but he wouldn't have it. And he said his kids made him made him wear it. So, you know. No, no costumes for me. Man. That's fantastic. That's a fantastic costume. You didn't dress up as uh, as Gareth Southie. Come on, man. You're, you're no, just... man. No, I was dressed as a British journalist, which is basically <laughs> me just wearing shorts. No, that's it. Hey, I was dressed as a British spy, so you know we're not too we're not too far off. That's... Yes, <laughs> Jose. How was your Halloween weekend? How was the rest of it? It was. It's a bit different, right? This weekend because normally we we have the games on Saturday night or maybe Sunday, so not a whole lot of time to enjoy for ourselves on the weekend. But this one was. Early Saturday afternoon, so you had, you know, maybe Saturday night and then Sunday to, to do other things. So how was the rest of your Halloween weekend? Well, plenty of football for me. Not a lot of Halloween because, of course, we had the game early and then late that night on Saturday, uh, Miami FC played um, a meaningless match. But still, you know, uh, kind of had to work on that. And um on Sunday, I'd had, uh, I had more football, but American football with the Dolphins. And um, and late that night, it was, you know, kind of a, uh, a getaway for my wife, which is a target run. So <laughs> we spent a couple of hours there starting the holiday shopping. Yes, I know. And uh, <laughs> You couldn't and even yeah. wait for Halloween to be over to go holiday shopping, huh? Well, let I, I me tell you, I'm with you on this on this one, but it's not my decision. So, uh, <laughs> happy wife, happy I, life. I, I, yeah, I know, I know. Steve uh, understands what I'm saying. So I do. I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That that's that's my Halloween. No trick or treaters though in in my neighborhood, which is surprising because you know plenty of kids around, but apparently they they went someplace else, and I had to buy um, candy and. I actually have it right in front of me, so I'll take care of that later tonight. Well, maybe you have to bring some to practice later this week so that we can all uh, have some late <laughs> trick-or-treat treats. Uh, yeah, look, Halloween weekend was a fun weekend. For me, I'm big into Halloween, uh, and it was it was good to be able to, to enjoy the festivities on Saturday and a little bit on, on Sunday. I actually watched that Dolphins game. 
and that was not a great Dolphins game. So it's been a few of them this season. But we're not here to talk about the Dolphins. We're here to talk about Inter Miami, which suffered a three to one defeat in its home finale. We will dive into that game in more detail, as well as some of the post game comments made by head coach Phil Neville about the direction of the team. Now that the season is officially, well, the outcome's officially settled. There's still one more game left to play, but we know Inter Miami will not be making the playoffs in 2021. We'll also preview this weekend's regular season finale, the last game of the campaign for the South Florida side. That's against the New England Revolution. And of course, we will tackle the questions that the listeners have for us at the very end. There's a few inquiries, as you can imagine, given that things uh, have now been settled, the dust has settled. So a lot to talk about, guys. So let's get to it. All right, guys, so before we start by diving into the game and doing our analysis of the match, we have to talk about the big news that came out last week after we recorded, and that is that Federico Higuain announced his retirement and then played the final game and is apparently now officially retired. So for anyone that needs to be caught up on that news, on Friday during the press conference, he was the player chosen, which I thought was a bit... Suspicious because he was speaking to us for the third time in like a week and a half, two weeks, which is not the norm. Normally, different players are selected for the press conferences. So I thought there might be a chance that we that we hear something about his future in that one. He does go on to announce in a very emotional press conference, probably the most emotional press conference I've ever covered in person during my 10 plus years of, of covering soccer, covering football. He announced his retirement, said that the final game of his career would be against the... the against New York City FC, so he will not be playing against the New England Revolution. And he obviously got the start on Saturday. It was you know, he wore the captain's armband. He came out with his family or or his kids at least during the the walkout with the team. He embraced them. And he maybe didn't have the best of games, but he did come close to scoring before he came off. Let's just t- touch on him first because he's been one of the best playmakers in MLS over the past decade. I know Inter Miami fans may have only caught glimpses of the magic that that he has in him. But over the course of, of his career and his stay in MLS, he's been you know, a, a very effective and very exciting player who's created a lot of goals and assists and has delighted and thrilled over the years. So just, just quickly for you guys, what did you think of the news and what did you think of his performance on Saturday? We'll start with you, Jose. Um, well, I don't. I don't think we can. We can say it's. Uh, we are surprised that you know that uh, that Fede is retiring. Um, of course, you know a player with that quality. You you want to see him play for, for a very long time, and um, unfortunately for Inter Miami, that that's been um, such a, a short amount of time. He has been able to perform at a high level with the team, which is something that you know fans have to learn to appreciate here. But I think overall, you know, it, it was just nice to see him with his kids and, and just the fans recognize what he has been able to, to do for Inter Miami. Of course, you want wins, you want more goals. But in the end, I think, um, you know, the performance ha- has, has been something that, you know, we, we can remember um, a long time from now. And if you look back into his entire career in MLS, I mean, I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of things you can say, but the one thing that has been consistent about him is just the quality with the ball. You know, it's beautiful to watch. And and, and hopefully he has um, some more time here in South Florida, I think, you know, having players like him around. And um, that would be something beneficial for, for players in the near future. Steve, what did you make of it? Because 
Again, I thought it was pretty emotional being there on the inside. He was fighting back tears. The entire Inter-Miami squad came into the press conference room and, and sat amongst us there and and took in his, his remarks. And, you know, that, that obviously maybe impacted him a little bit emotionally because, you know, I, I felt for him. And I felt for him as, as he tried to... As he tried to hold back his tears and not get emotional, and seeing his face kind of twitch, I don't consider myself uh, a super emotional or sensitive person in those respects. But that that press conference did get to me. I didn't cry, but a few players had tears in their eyes as as he was saying goodbye to to the game he loved the day before he played the last game. So, what what did you think of the press conference, and what did you think of his final game with that fifty five minute shift against New York City FC? Yeah, it, it was emotional. I mean, you know, it's one of the most difficult decisions players have got to make many of them say you know they just wake up one morning to get out of bed and they're like oh, I can't take this anymore I mean 37 just looking back over his career you know spent most of, a lot of time in Argentina never really had a great run of games played 71 times for Nueva Chicago which are based in uh, Mataderos in the west side of Buenos Aires then you know had his best spell at Columbus Crew 2012-2019 so he's had a good career he hasn't really didn't really win too much I won the Eastern Conference title with uh, Columbus crew, but good. He had a, a nice career. Had, you know, he's he's done well out of the game, and you know, he's he's a nice nice player. Seems like a good guy. Um, yeah, and it was yeah, it's it's sad. It's 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 part of his life that you never you're never going to get back those those playing days. Once they go, that that's it. And uh, no, it's it's nice sometimes just to see these players. We don't never really see a lot of emotion from them. Certainly not in, in press conferences. Sometimes it's all a bit robotic and you know a bit boring. But um, you know, with all the, the players there and all that sort of stuff, I'm, I'm sure that. There were some people at Inter Miami that probably wished it was the other Iguain that was also retiring um, to get him off, get him off the wage bill. But uh, maybe that will that will happen at some point. But uh, no, it was a, it was a, yeah, an unexpected emotional roller coaster of a press conference which we weren't weren't expecting. I think that's what got to me. I think and look, I'm not comparing myself to Federico Iguain at all in terms of you know how what he's accomplished in his career. I'm I often say, do think you are. You do remind <laughs> me of Federico Higuain. I'm just. I'm, I'm, tr- see you. <laughs> I'm just trying to say that, like you know, f- football for me means a lot, a lot, a lot. And for him, it's you know, it practically is almost his entire life. So I think that's what got to me that that he was saying goodbye to something that he cares so much for, um, that he still wants to stay involved in. He did say that he wants to to explore the coaching world. He's already taken some courses to get his coaching license. Phil Neville said. When he was up for the press conference, because he went after Federico Higuain, which is not the norm. Normally goes coach first, then player. That's that's just been the standard for Inter-Miami this season. But this time Federico went first, another sign that, that some news was coming. And and when Phil Neville went up, he said, you know, we like what he's brought to the table with his professionalism, his experience. We're going to sit and have discussions with him at the end of the season and, and see if there's a place for him here because we can't just say goodbye. So... It doesn't sound like it's 100% set in stone that he will come back to Inter-Miami. I imagine they will try their best to, to make that happen. Uh, but regardless, how do you guys think he projects as a, as a coach? Obviously, we, we don't know his coaching style, but just do you think it could translate to being successful? Because there was a response he gave us after the, I believe it was the Atlanta United game, where, where we asked him a question, or I asked him a question about the attacking side, and his response very much sounded like a coach, the way he, he expressed the game and explained the game. And I know, Steve, you know, he did so in Spanish, and I don't believe that response was translated, so maybe, you know, you, you weren't able to fully understand it, but, you know, he did sound like a coach there. I know I'm not the only person that came away with that with that remark. So I think, you know, he's ha- he, has the, he has the makings to be a potentially a good coach. It just depends on, you know, can he transition 
the qualities he had on the field into being a, a man manager and, and obviously getting that uh, getting the X's and O's on pat or down pat on on the field. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I mean, look, he, like I say, he's had a he's had a long he's had a long career. Um, you know, you could be like a sponge, just soaking everything up that, that's uh, that he's come and lose weight. I'm sure he's played under a lot of coaches, a lot of a lot of different different managers. Um, you know, that's it. Some players want to go into the media. Other players don't want to get involved in, in coaching at all. Others, uh, you know, take their badges super early and can't wait to get into, into management. It's just, uh, it's just the kind of personality. You, so you just, yeah, you ne- you never know really. He doesn't come across as a kind of, um, you know, like touchline manager. I don't know. I can't imagine him sort of ranting and raving on, on the sidelines. But uh, yeah, like I say, 20, 25 years of, of playing or however long it is, you know, twenty years in in, at the top, in playing at the, at the highest level. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens next. If potentially, if he, he could stay here, I can't see him staying here. To be honest, especially considering what could happen potentially with Gonzalo, we don't know. Um, you know, is there space on the the coaching roster for another guy? No, no, no idea. I'm not sure. So, I'd be interested to see what happens. Jose, what do you think? Do you think he has the qualities that could maybe translate to being a good head coach at some level? Well, yeah, you know, you, you can see the potential there. You know, with being a player that. You know, pretty much um, during his entire career, you know, he helped out his teammates. You know, sometimes if you look back to performances from Inter Miami this year, you can already tell that players around him were better just because, you know, he was on on the field. Right. Um, So um, I I can see him as a coach, but I think, you know, er early on in this uh, next step in his career, you know, he could he can really help especially with the the players coming from South America. You know, he was able to um, to understand the system here in the U.S. And with so many young players coming over, um, I think his presence would be beneficial for any MLS team that's actually interested in bringing talent from from South America. So uh, I think that's the, that's the first role that I will think of. Um, I don't know if you go to the academy. Um, I think... Maybe I don't know if he's ready to take on that role. You know that that's that's a big job right there. So, um, but I, I do see a potential in him of being a coach. But I think early on it's about getting that opportunity in any organization. You will think that he will have a shot, whether it's in Columbus, on, on DC United as well, which was a big big part of of his the last few seasons, or or maybe Inter Miami. We'll see. But there's potential there, no doubt. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he has the qualities that could translate to being a head coach again, and just we'll see how how it all pans out for him and how it all, how it all plays out over the next few years. Phil Neville did say that Federico Higuain over the course of this season has sat in on uh, I guess academy meetings, so you know they've given him a little bit of that experience. But okay, switching gears to the game itself it was a bit of a different lineup. Back to the 4-2-3-1, Nick Marsman in goal. Nicolas Figal as the right back. Your center back partnership was Leandro Gonzalez-Pires and Christian McCoon from right to left. And your left back was Breck Shea. The first line of the midfield was comprised of Gregory and Blaise Matuidi. Second midfield line, your more advanced players in the midfield were from right to left. Indiana Vasilev, Federico Higuain, and Luis Morgan. And up top as your number nine was Gonzalo Higuain. 
Inter Miami trails in this game in the first half. A golazo from Valentin Tati Castellanos from outside the, the penalty area. Unleashed a heck of a shot that, that soared past John McCarthy, who replaced Nick Marsman in goal due to an injury. We'll touch on that in a little bit. And then Inter Miami ties the game up off of a corner kick. Nicolas Figal ties the game 1-1, his first goal for Inter Miami. But the wheels come off shortly after that. Four minutes later, Tati Castellanos scores again after Inter Miami's defense is punished. And the third one comes from Thais Magno. So Inter Miami ends up losing 3-1. Like we mentioned earlier, it wasn't the best performance even from start to finish. I thought they had a, a better first half than a second half. But actually, Jose, we'll start with you because I know during the game we actually had some some banter and some conversations and you weren't pleased with what with what you saw at all pretty much, really. Is that right? Is that accurate? Do I have that correct? Yeah, I was disappointed on the first half on both sides. Yes, we had a golazo from Castellanos. Yeah, it's a beautiful goal from maybe, um, I don't know, from other game. Not not from this one because right. the quality was not good. You know, uh, either team was able to um to, to work from from the build up you know it, it was really hard i don't know if it if it's the weather or i don't know what was going on in the first half but the quality i don't think it was good um second half um i i was disappointed with Phil going back to um five in the back i know he'll say three but uh, i don't know to me that's still five um it's definitely he needed five. With, yeah, he needed to win the game, um, but going back to three center backs, I, I don't see how that was beneficial. Especially, you know, when when, when you when you actually want to win for Fede and the fans, um, I don't know, I don't know. But again, another decision for for Phil. But this time, you know, it's not not very relevant. Except that, you know, it would have given at least to me another another. Um, another idea of what the team really wanted uh, on Saturday night, and um, and after that, and I don't know if if it's because of the formation change, I started to see something that you know what's really worrying to me, and it was that you know the team was very disorganized. Mm-hmm. Uh, Makun moving forward, yeah. doing back heels, and I don't know. To me, that was. That was not good, especially when you try to put out a good performance. But maybe it's either the formation, or maybe as well, you know, the 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 guys that wanted to win so badly for Fede that you know they were trying to do too much. And so those are the things that you know I I, I didn't like about the game. I think in the end, New York City they are a better team because of the standings, but they didn't show much either in the game. So. Um, I, I understand uh, as well the situation that both teams were in, and um, I, I was just in the end. I think you know, with thinking about Fede, we kind of forget about little things like like the one that I just mentioned. You know how the team was very disorganized towards the end of, of a match, and that's something that you don't want to see. And it doesn't it doesn't matter if it's the first game or the last one. You don't want to see that at all. And so um, hopefully, you know. We see something different in the last game. They still have an opportunity to play one more game, play at a good level, especially against the New England Revolution, which of course we'll talk we'll talk about that later. But you know, just to set the tone, that's a game that's very important, regardless of of the situation that Inter Miami is in terms of the standings. Yeah. So for me, I thought the first half was it wasn't great. It wasn't great, but 
on the balance of play, even despite the one to zero score, I thought Inter Miami was the better team. I thought they deserved to be up because if you remember in this game before the goal from Tati Castellanos, the first one from Tati Castellanos, the golazo, Gonzalo Higuain scored, or doesn't score, sorry. He has an open look from about 11 yards after he's played a nice ball from Blaise Matuidi. Inside the penalty area, one-on-one with Sean Johnson, you would expect a player of Gonzalo Higuain's caliber, his quality to put that away, but he gets neither enough placement nor power to get the shot past Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson makes a great save, and the score remains 0-0. But again, over the balance of play in that first half, I thought Inter Miami was the better side, and I thought they deserved to at least be on at-level terms, if not in the lead. Because if they take the lead, it's a different game. Maybe NYCFC doesn't get a goal before halftime. But that's not how it plays out. Like, Frank, he, like you were really bad. No, I mean, no. It was listen. bad. It, it was not was a bad. great half. It was that not a great half. That sounds It was not that's a great like half. Telling me, that's like telling me Inter-Miami is better than Cincinnati. Of I, course. I'm going but off of the first enough. half. I'm going off of the first half. And the first half I saw, I saw an Inter-Miami team that was just a tad bit better than, than New York City FC. Now, in the second half, things changed. Inter-Miami does pull level, but you could see the game getting away from them even when they pulled level. Because, and I think that's, you know, to, to counter your argument from before, uh, you know, towards your criticism about Phil Neville's decision to go to, to five at the back, I think the reason he did it was to try to regain control or take back some control that the team was losing because the team was starting to lose on the balance of play, even though, again, the, the score was level or that, you know, NYCFC was in the lead. Miami started losing control of the game, and I think that's why Phil Neville went to five at the back to try to to try to give them that control. It just didn't work, especially when you have Nicolas Figal, who started this game as a right back, then he's playing as the as as the sweeper in that five man back line, and it just seemed like that that either didn't work for 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 Nicolas Figal, or he just lost concentration, or you know he he wasn't able to you know flip that switch and change that role completely because, like you said, on the I'm trying to think if it's the third goal. Yeah, I think it's the third goal where Brett Shea, Christian McCoon, and Nicolas Figal all go and press the same guy very far up the field. And some quick combination play, some nice one-two touch passes from New York City FC gets them out of that tight spot. And then they they have, you know, a numerical advantage in the attack. And, and they're able to just knock the ball around Leandro Salespires and, 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 and Kelvin Leardem and the like. And they score that third goal. So... I think there were so I understand Phil Neville's reasoning for trying to make the move. It just it just didn't work and it didn't pan out. Steve, what did you think about the game? What did you think about the the overall performance and the two halves? Because for me, it was a tale of two halves. Although I agree with Jose that it wasn't a great game overall. No, it was poor. Um, Newark City were a better team. Castellanos knocked it around nicely. They just looked livelier. I thought uh, just a kind of Tired performance from yeah from Inter Miami, couple of you know Iguain, couple of chances, but never really looked like doing you know too much. And they 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 brought it you know pulled it level, and then even then it just kind of fell away again. You know your friend Pizarro went missing once again. Although I'm sure you're going to tell me he was absolutely sensational. Um, <laughs> he came off the bench, man. Yeah. He came off the bench. Well, whatever. He even so whatever when he came on the bench didn't do anything too much. Yeah, and the, the, I think Matuidi sort of chasing shadows when he got bypassed midfield. It was a good move, but. You know, they just cut through the midfield just too easily. And that was kind of emblematic, I think, of the 
of the whole season, just not really, you know, not really up to up to scratch. Seventeenth defeat as well of the season. That's a lot. That's a lot of defeats out of what thirty three games they played or whatever. Uh, it's not hasn't hasn't been great. Um, and it was just yeah, a kind of sorry ending. And I guess they go there on Sunday. We'll talk about that in a bit. But at least with the pressure off, so to speak. But you know, the 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 question marks still remain over how they're going to try and rebuild the squad because it, it desperately needs rebuilding, doesn't it? So you just touched on something that's important. I think you're eating, by the way. I heard I heard a clank of a plate over there. What are you eating over there, Steve? This is the first time we've ever had anyone no, eat on Miami not, Total Football Radio. I'm not eating anything. No, no. I, I, there was a bowl on the floor which I just moved. Um, that was it. <laughs> so you, you were eating, or is that for your cat? Or no, 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 no. It's before. Yeah, no, no, no animals here, mate. No animals here. <laughs> Animal free zone. Animal free zone. Okay. Well, you touched on something that I think is. Uh, is a talking point, and that was Blaise Matuidi. Because in the first half, I thought Blaise Matuidi was one of Inter Miami's better players, and in the second half, he was not. And obviously, the the second goal starts or is somewhat initiated with that pass that finds finds the space in behind him. He fails to track the runner, and that leads to a to a poor sequence of events. Christian McCoon, who should have been behind him, was was pulled well out of position out to the left because he was trying to cover for Breck Shea, who was well far advanced and. Just the defensive organization was not great for Inter Miami in that second half. It seemed like players were just not on the same page. And, you know, Phil Neville after the game said there was too much individualism. Still, there's continued individualism from from certain players in this team. He didn't name names, but he did say that, and that's that's one of his frustrations after the game. But I, I think there, there's also some tactical issues there because when you see that many players just not on the same page, especially on the defensive side where you know, you know that's what you practice on during the week, that's what you work on during the week, you work on being organized and how you move as, as a unit, I think there's some there's some tactical issues there as well. Jose, what did you think about, about those comments post-game? Because that, that was, I think, one of the bigger talking points after the match was just that there is continued individualism in this group, at least according to, to what Phil Neville has perceived from from his seat? Well, I think, especially over the weekend, if we talk about over the weekend, I think it was just a matter of the players wanting wanting to do um, a lot, more than maybe they, they had to do. They, they had to rely on the collective effort to get the win. Overall, during the season, listen, I don't know. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know that, um, but, but I'm 100% uh, behind Phil on, on that because... Um, and if that's the case, by the way, you know, he, he, I think he shares a little bit of the responsibility as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do believe, I do believe that, you know, at times we saw collective effort and I think you, you, you cannot be good on defense like they were for, for a small stretch. Um, if you don't, if you don't get a collective effort. So, um, I think they did it at times. It was just that they don't have the pieces to, to put them together yeah. and, and become a good side. I think that's, to me, that's the problem. More than individually any player, because if you look at Blaze, what Blaze, obviously he has been struggling this year, but the effort is there. It's, the, is it it's a matter of quality. It's not there anymore. Is I think he runs legs, a lot. His legs aren't there. That's what's that's what's the yeah, I think he tries. I think he tries. You know, the, the effort, you know, you can see him running around, but he's late. That's the well, problem. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. That, we know Blaise Matuidi has quality. We know he has quality, but we haven't seen that. And that's what I, I listen, I asked Phil Neville, and I told him after the game, I said, look, maybe it's not fair to point the finger at one player, but I, I, I want to ask you about Blaise Matuidi and his performance in this one. 
And and one of the things he said in a longer response, and he kind of took some some blame off of Matuidi. He, he kind of blamed the center backs uh, for that second goal, the game winning goal. Uh, Phil said, when the game gets stretched, that probably doesn't suit Blaise Matuidi. So when games are open, it seems like Blaise Matuidi just doesn't have, based on my interpretation of what Phil Neville said, just doesn't have the legs anymore to cover that much space and that much ground. That when the game is a little bit tighter, when there's less space for other teams to play in, that's when the game's better play to Blaise Matuidi's strengths. And in this one, on that second goal, when he had a lot more space to cover, he, he wasn't able to do that. But starting him is, is a decision that Phil Neville has, makes. And for better or for worse, you know you either get the credit or you will get the criticism, depending on how that performance goes. And I don't think Blaise Matuidi has had a great year. Uh, I, I think we all three, I think all three of us share that opinion. But, but Steve, I, I want to hear from you about Phil Neville's comments about the individualism. Because I know that you have said over the course of the season on this podcast and different conversations we've had off the mics that you don't think Inter Miami have the players from a talent standpoint and that you you question how many of them inside the locker room are, you know, are, are great fits. But when you're 33 games into the season, and this is something that our colleague Dairon Quiroz asked after Phil Neville made that, that remark about the, the continued individualism, Dairon said, why are we at game 33 still at this point where the team is is still not a team and still exp- like explaining or still uh, having these issues with individualism. And, and and Phil went into a longer response and said, you know, we, we've tried different things. We've tried changing the formation. At this point, you might have to change the personnel. So, you know, obviously we know the changes are coming, but what did you think about those remarks, especially that second part where he says you, know, you have to change the personnel? What do you think about, about the makeup and the dynamic of Inter-Miami, not only on the field, but in the locker room? Well, that that proves that it's not not happy not not a happy place behind the scenes, isn't it? We knew that at the back end of of last season when you know the place was described as you know it was a disaster and you know people had stuff had happened that he'd never seen before and you know it's, it was a real real mess behind the scenes and that, there are some different faces but there are still some of the same players as well. You know, I'm sure guys. You know, you've got you're dealing with egos in the locker rooms. So guys like Gonzalo Perez, I'm sure Gonzalo Higuain. You know, they're big kind of big personalities. And um, if you don't get if they're upset or they don't get on with the coach, then that just creates friction with with everything else. They tried to get rid of Gonzalez Perez during the last window. They couldn't get rid of him. Um, yeah, it, it it just smacks of of a, of a team that just there's there's a little bit of disharmony and they just in in, in need of a, a clear out. And that's that was his response. And what you know, the answer question why is it taken. Why we at the end of the season they still haven't come together as one? It's because they can't because there's personalities in the, in the change room, I guess, that are just um, not willing to play ball, and that's why they, they need to. They're trying to get these these players out and have a. I don't know maybe those younger guys they keep talking about. They want to have them as the, the sort of foundation of, of the team. I mean, you've always got to have veterans and experience in it, but you need to have the right the right blend. The, the wrong character can can upset everything and you can't get rid of him but yeah you've got to play him because you've got no other option so um yeah I thought his the comments were very very telling and, and that's the first time he's probably admitted that in public I mean you know I don't think Diego Alonso really spoke to got into too much about that with him but um yeah he's admitting that changes need to, need to be made and but, you know, how much and how true. much of that how much of that also falls on him because it's his job over the course of the year to try to yeah. get these guys together they've tried different things uh you know they had the one outing where they all went to top golf Earlier in the year, there was different points this year where, where Phil Neville said, you know, he saw more of a team, that things were better in the locker room, the ping pong table helped, which I actually I actually got a tour of Inter-Miami's practice facility 
not too long ago, and I saw the actual ping pong table. It's legit in the middle of their locker room at the training facility. So it's like right on top of the logo in the locker room. So I, you know, I thought it was off to the side somewhere. No, it's legit in the middle of the of where the players change and everything. So, but look, we've heard at different points this year that the team was better, that the collective spirit was was so much better than it was at the start of the year when this just looked like a collection of individuals. But then to hear this again at the end, when things are obviously you know when they're up against the wall, when their backs are up against the wall. I mean, Phil Neville has some responsibility there because he, then he clearly has not done as good enough of a job as he wanted or as he thought he was doing midway through the season when he thought things were, were on the right track. <laughs> You're dealing with egos. You're dealing with maybe players that don't want to But that's what man management is, though. But that's what man management is, Yeah, no, but is, you no? can only try. You can try. doesn't necessarily mean you're going to succeed. You can't change someone's personality. I mean, you can certainly, your man management certainly helps. For some reason, there's friction between those, you know, those guys, you know, that and 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 for whatever reason, maybe they're not happy. Maybe they just want to leave and they want to go somewhere else. You know, just yeah, I'm sure they've, they've tried hard and it just they haven't been able to. That's why they were trying to get rid of them. I was I was told that Gonzalez Perez was a very divisive, you know, person in the locker room. He fell out with uh, with the ball when he was at Atlanta. Came here and I think he's he's been difficult to manage. Yet yeah, he's he's one of the team's best players, so you got to play him. So there's always that. I don't agree with that. I don't agree. And I, and I, I will say, look, I, I've heard, I heard, I've heard in recent days as well that Leandro Gonzalez-Pires is maybe not the most well-liked person in that locker room. I have heard that. Okay. But if he's, if that's the case, and he is a divisive personality, and he is someone that you consider trading earlier this year, you don't have to keep playing him just because he's one of your best players. Because if you know that the that the overall net. The net, the net response is a negative one, then that you don't need to play him. Play somebody else, change the format. You don't need to just play your about? best player. No, play. I mean, look, if they were going to... They I, were in contention for the playoffs. He has to play... You, you would have hammered him if he would have... If he would have oh, no, he just plays Mabika for the for the for all the games leading up to, you know, in mid-season when they still had a chance of getting into the playoffs. You would have actually hammered him. So, uh... He didn't have any option but, but to play him because he's one of the best one oh, on the always day. Always absolving, always absolving him of blame. Always, always. no, but it's true. No, that, that, that's, that's true. No. I mean, Jose, I want Listen, to hear Jose. Jose. Jose's been trying I'm to chime neutral in. Neutral here. here. <laughs> I I do agree that you know if LGP he he's one of the top players absolutely. You know, in, so he needs to play. He needs to play because if the team wins, you know, winning. <laughs> Listen. If you get four wins in a row and you're fighting for a playoff position in the last game of the season, listen, players are not going to care at all. They will think about it in the offseason. They, they want to put their voice out there in the offseason with the front office. But if they're winning, everybody wants to win. So you take on whatever personality you have in the locker room. You're not, not going to like every single player. So I think you have to play him. But I do believe that Phil shares some of the responsibility um, in terms of um, how what the situation is inside the locker room. Of course, we don't know exactly the details because we're not in there every day, but you have Ever. some yeah. of that responsibility. You have to believe that at some point, Phil, if he saw something that was not good for the, for the environment in the locker room, he needed to have a meeting with, you know, whatever amount of players it was. If it's just two players, if it's three, four, I don't care. You know, you need to have a conversation and uh, and try to fix things. You know, obviously, you know, Pizarro and, and Iguain are not best friends. 
And um, and I don't know if you can fix that because, you know, there's chemistry as well, personalities. And, and we, we know exactly the story of the, those two players, Pizarro coming first, being the big star, and then Iwain coming after him. So those are situations that are not easy to fix. But I would think, you know, and, and, and I would hope that Phil at some point addressed the situation within the locker room. If it didn't work out, well, you know, it is what it is. Remember, you know, this is... This, we, we can honestly say that still this is not Phil's team, right? He, he still, I think he's going to have an opportunity now to build a roster that he actually likes and, and, and thinking about a system that will be beneficial knowing that the situation that is upcoming for the team with sanctions and everything, you know, I think this is the year for Phil. And, and, and we talked about this in, in a previous podcast about why did Phil deserve to stay or, or why was it beneficial for Inter Miami for Phil to stay? And I think that's that's a, a very important reason right there. You know, building a locker room that he can actually control, I think that's something that's going to be huge for Inter Miami in the offseason. Anything else you guys want to add about this game or anything at all before we take a break and switch gears to this weekend against the New England Revolution? We've said it all. All I, all I will say is that something, yeah, desperate times, desperate measures. You've just got to do what you can and try and win matches of football. If you sometimes got to go for someone that you're not seeing eye to eye with, that's just the way it is. Maybe you thought you could get a performances out of him, but that's the management. That's how it is. Jose, anything you want to add? No, I think we cover it all. I, I, I do believe, you know, there's there's things still with the season already, you know, decided for Inter Miami. There are things from this game that um, I will be watching for in, in, in the game against New England. So we'll talk about that in the, in the next segment. But there, there are things that I don't want to see again because that, that will give me an idea that, you know, there's, there's a lot more to do than just bring more players in the game or better players in the roster. Okay, well, then we'll, we'll leave it there for now. I, I do want to add that Federico Higuain, you know, he's finished an accomplished career. He came so close to having a, a, I don't know if a dream finish, but scoring on his final match or in his final match, half volley from the right inside the right corner of the penalty area, and Sean Johnson just saved it and it hits off the crossbar. And instead of bouncing in, it just bounces out. Uh, you know, a bit unfortunate there for Federico Iguain because it was a, it was a nice hit, but you know he subbed off after that, gets his standing ovation. Uh, kudos to him for an accomplished career, and we'll see what the next stop holds for him. So let's take a quick break, guys. We'll preview the game against the New England Revolution. We'll do that after this. Well, I think I think when we went on our run of one defeat in 13, you saw a team, a team that put egos and, and anything that they felt was more important to one side and they played as a team. And there was times in them, them 13 games when we went to Toronto, probably didn't deserve to win. We played Columbus here, probably didn't deserve to win. Montreal here, we fought, but, but the, we showed the qualities of every team that I see playing against us. For instance, today, New York, what qualities stood out for me was their qualities to fight, to to show game management, to be together. Those qualities we showed in a period, and we show qualities like that in periods of games. Ultimately, we lose discipline, we lose concentration, we're too emotional. And, and how do we change that? Personnel. Personnel. Uh, or, or you change tactics, which we've tried. Uh, but ultimately... Personnel is, is the one that, that you have to change to get better results. All right, guys. So we went long on the first segment. We'll try to keep this second segment a, a bit shorter. I think there's a lot, a lot less to talk about given the overall standing of things. 
But obviously, Inter-Miami, eliminated from playoff contention, will play away to the New England Revolution, the Supporter Shield winners, the first place team in the Eastern Conference on Sunday, which is known as Decision Day in MLS. Jose, I'll start with you. What should we expect from New England in this game? And what approach should Inter-Miami take to a game in which it does not mean a whole lot for the South Florida side? Well, it doesn't mean a lot in terms of the standings, but let me tell you that it, it, it means a lot in terms of gaining some momentum. I know it's a long it's a long off season in MLS, but you, you're going to have to try to gain some momentum, show something against the top team in the league that leads the fans to believe that, you know, there's potential in this team that they actually want to win games in Major League Soccer. So this is a huge opportunity for Phil, the coaching staff, and the players, which, of course, we know not all of them will be back next year. But, you know, it's a huge opportunity. So take on it. And and I would hope that Phil will be aggressive from the get-go in terms of the starting lineup um, and just try to win this game. Go for it. I mean, it doesn't really matter if you end up losing this game because the expectation is really low and um, you really have to um, plant a seed within your 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 fan base that, you know, there, there's potential in, in, in this uh, in, in this team. So um, I will look for that and uh, I will be really disappointed if I see the performance that I saw in the last 20 to 25 minutes from the last game. I want a team that's organized, that knows how to attack. And in terms of um, England, well, listen, but you have to try. I want to see them try. I don't know if they if they will be capable enough to do it, but I want to see them try. And um, in terms of New England, I, I I listen. It's I think it's it's beneficial for them to rest, of course, some of their top players. Um, I, I don't see a, a reason for for Bruce Arena to. To put um, his uh, top players out there, there's there's no there's no reason at all because they have already secured the supporter shield. They have they have done pretty much everything that they needed to do in the regular season. So, you know, it, it, it's it's always an, an emotional game because it's the last game of, of the season. But I, I do believe you know there's a lot still that Inter Miami can show in this game. Um, I think fans as we. As well, I'm sorry. I think fans should be expecting a good performance from Inter Miami, and uh, and and it's the last time that you're going to get to see your team in a while. You know that's the thing with MLS. You know it's it's such a long break that you know it's it's not going to be until maybe late February, March next year that you're going to be have a chance to actually watch meaningful games for this for this team. So. Um, it's get, get to enjoy it, full 90 minutes, and hopefully they, they, the guys put out there a, a good performance against uh, the top team in the league. So that, that's my take on the game. Steve, what do you think, Primo? What, does, what do you expect from New England Revolution, and how should Inter-Miami approach things, given that it's about to go into the offseason? Should it play its best 11? Should it start looking at some younger players? What do you think about, about those two aspects of Sunday's match? Well, I think they're going to go for it. I mean, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't play in the first round of the of the playoffs anyway, do they? So they don't they don't have a game yeah, for yeah. it. So, so they they have a bye because they're in first place in the Eastern Conference, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that a couple of weeks ago, more or less, Bruce Arena said something along the lines of, since they have a bye week, that you know that that obviously interrupts their their rhythm and their momentum. So 
his comments left us to to think that he will go with a strong first choice lineup just to try to maintain that rhythm and retain, maintain that momentum. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, maybe he starts making yeah. some changes around the second half, 60th minute mark to, you know, to keep players fresh or, or not, you know, to not risk injury. But I think we'll see a, a full, full strength or at close to full strength New England Revolution for against Inter Miami. Yeah, just a 35 point gap between Inter Miami and 11th and New England <laughs> in the first. Uh, you know, they've had an amazing season, scoring 65 goals as well. Their, their goal difference of plus 25 in comparison to Miami's minus 18. Nearly scored, scored nearly almost double and, yeah, almost double the points pretty much, yeah, to a, to a certain extent. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're flying and I think they're going to, they're gonna you know, he's going to, like you said, he's going to put out a strong team and um, that could be, uh, but Inter Miami go there with no, no pressure now. Some players playing for their futures. Phil Neville was telling us the other week, a uh, couple of weeks ago. Um, so, you know, it's uh, for, for New England, they're just, they're looking just to, yeah, to, to go for it. When was the last time that they won the MLS title? The, the, the They've MLS never Cup? won. They've been the Buffalo Bills of, of the MLS. They've gotten to the... To the final five times, and they've they have not won once, so right, they haven't yeah. won an MLS Cup title yet. So, I and mean, also, it's a great story with um, you know Bruce Arena as well. You know, legendary coach, certainly in in US soccer. You know what he did with the national team, and then just yeah, ingrained in the sort of US soccer culture right right from the start. So that's that's a great story if he can pull he can pull that off. So um, uh, it'd be interesting interesting to see. But for Miami, they just need to get the season finished, and I think then like the hard work starts bringing agents and clubs and trying to move players on and around, I think. But so do you think Miami's going first choice starting lineup or do you think Miami's going to maybe bring in some youngsters and then try to start playing different guys to, to try to give them some minutes, try to maybe boost their, their value before they head off into the off season? I think he could potentially be experimental. Yeah. And uh, yeah, have a look at a few things that perhaps they haven't been able to look at in the season when the pressure's been on. Um, I don't know what, else really they can you know they've, they've looked the squad has been you know pretty much the same the whole way through hasn't it so uh you know i'm sure they've, he's got a good idea of what he wants to do you know moving moving forward and um yeah like i said they, they have have they progressed or not since last year I, I don't know i think there's it's slow progression but um yeah it's just like i say it's the preseason that matters now I will, not, I, have a I will not take that bait, though. I will not take that bait. He said that, you know, he's trying to say if they've progressed or not. I mean, they're in worse place uh, than they were last year as of right now with uh, a better roster. Look, look so. beyond the table, mate. Look beyond the table. That You know, that's your problem. Well, where have they progressed then? Where? Well, I just... just I'm not taking the bait. Cl- no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Jose, 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 go. Go ahead, Jose. I know you have to That'll say be something. a bonus pod. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can talk. We can say before the end of the season podcast because we, we, we have had that conversation before. That's the only reason why I don't want to do it again because we've had that conversation wow. before. I know you're... you're pre- the answer. It's okay, it's fine. It's no, fine. you're, you know you're also pressed on time. You're also pressed on time. You're leaving us. You're not going to make it to the Q&A session. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, trying to not, not go into a, a side com- combo here. Jose, what did you want to add there? My question is, do you think Pepita Wayne travels? Oof, good question. Gonzalo. Yes. 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 I think it would be, it would send a bad Farewell. message. I think it would send a bad message if he doesn't travel. Farewell performance before he retires, potentially. Um, you know, we haven't spoken to When was the last time he spoke? Uh, after one of his most recent, after one of his better goal scoring performances, he doesn't normally speak to us when when uh, when things are going south. And that's not—I don't think that's a him decision. I think that's a that's a team decision that they they, they withhold him unless he, he's done something well. All right, I, I would say no. You say he no. Won't travel. You don't think no. so? 
Nah, I say. Uh, you, what, uh, you think they're gonna come up with some like, oh, he he suffered a slight injury? Oh, well, actually, Phil Neville maybe. You're right. You're right. right. Because Phil Neville did did say in the post game press conference, he he you know maybe left the door open for that 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 Gonzalo Higuain's been playing with plantar fasciitis for for the last bit of time, so maybe yeah maybe he he gets held back so he you know he doesn't have to play. It's gonna on take some extra time to recover. That that's gonna be the sentence right there. Some extra time to recover. Extra time for him to um, go back to to his family and continue start a vacation. And no, he's not traveling. I'm telling you. Okay. Way, you know, it's not it's not a good look. But I don't think he'll travel. Okay. Hey, that's a it's a bold prediction. You've put yourself out there on the limb. So let's see. Speaking of predictions, guys, uh, two things before before we wrap up this segment. What's the key to the game for Inter Miami? And in this one, if there is any key to the game, because again, we know it's it's done and dusted for them in terms of their playoff hopes. Steve, quickly, we'll go with you uh, because I know you you have to run soon. Yeah, uh, look, I think New England will go for it. I think Miami are going to be a little bit freer potentially, but New England they're the form the form team on the um, decent home record. Only lost once, I think. Um, so I'm going to go four one New England. Woo! I said what was the key to the game, not your prediction. But we have, we will, uh, we will. The key to the game is making sure New England don't score four goals. How about? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, Jose, what is your key to the game, and then throw in your prediction at the end as well, since uh, Steve just packaged them up nicely. Nice little bundle there from Brenner, a Brenner bundle. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it quick. You know, for the key to the game is for Inter Miami to have fun, right? You know, this this is the end of the season. Just go out there and have fun and try to get a, a win that nobody expects expects you to get. So um, I don't think they're going to accomplish that goal, though, but I think they'll come back with a point. So I'll say 1-1. The key to the game for me for Inter-Miami is to be defensively solid. Normally, I, again, I'm of the of the belief to go for it and, and play and take risks, but it's the New England Revolution. They are uh, one of the top teams in the league. Inter-Miami, at least right now, is un equipo chico. And when you're in equipo chico, a small team, Trying to go toe for toe with uh, one of the powerhouses is probably not a good idea. So uh, I think staying, you know, keeping a, a a deep block and and staying organized and compact to try to limit the spaces and not not make this game so open. So you don't go off on a note like a four to one defeat. I think that's the key to the game. Try to give yourself a chance to keep it tight. Maybe get a goal there on on the break or off a set piece. Corner kicks have been have been a, a, a bigger strength as of late, or have been better as of late. And if you lose, then maybe you don't lose by by getting completely completely blown out. So that's my key to the game. Uh, as for the prediction, three one defeat. Three one defeat. They lose again by uh, by the same scoreline as last weekend. So that's my prediction. But. We'll leave it there unless you guys have something else you want to add heading into this game. So the final game of the 2021 season. We will be back, of course, next week. But, you know, anything else you guys want to add before we go into this final game? Steve? Oh, strange things happen on the on the end of, you know, yeah. final games of the season. There's always weird scores. There are a lot of players who, teams whose players are already on the beach or in Miami. They're always on the beach anyway. But that doesn't, uh, for the most part, they're thinking about a bit of time off and downtime, long season. So, yeah, there's always, there's always goals. There's always weird results. Jose, anything? Um, no, just that, you know, Bruce Arena, I think, is a nice guy, so he'll go easy on Inter-Miami. So that's why, that's, that's part of my, my prediction. You know, I've been thinking about it for two days right now, by now. And, yeah, I trust Bruce Arena that he's going to go, he's not going to go all in on Inter-Miami. There you go. 
He went all in on them last time, 5-0, but that was a different different point. That was a different point in the season. Uh, I'm glad I had to explain that. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're good. Uh, we will take another quick break. We have the Q&A session to do after this. We will say goodbye to El Primo for this week's pod. So, Steve, thank you for joining us. We will be back for the Q&A session. We'll do that after this. Okay, PS5, Jose, it's Q&A time. Our last one, our final one ahead of a game. We'll probably still have a QA and a session next week after the season concludes, but this is our final one of the 2021 season with a game on deck. So let's get right into it. First question comes from Fighting Herons, and he asks, Federico Higuain was one of the better players on the team most of the time he was on the pitch. Would you have been open to bringing him back next season, even in a limited role? Phil seemed to be clear that he had decided a while back that Fede was not returning. Just So just to quickly answer these questions, because we do have a lot, I will say that I would have been open to bringing him back because I still think he has enough in the tank, even though it's diminishing on the physical output side. I still think he has enough in the tank, especially with the quality, to... Be a, a player that can come off the bench. 30 minutes, 20 minutes. Kind of like he was this year. Although this year I thought maybe he could have started a, a few more games here and there. But the next year I absolutely think he still had enough. Especially we saw as of late. He still had enough to 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 be involved. But obviously Inter Miami has said they want to go younger. Federico just turned 37. Not this Monday, but the, the previous Monday. So he's obviously one of the older players. If not the oldest player on, on the team. So doesn't necessarily fit with their vision for what they want to do going into 2022. Well, yeah. You know, the one thing that I would mention is, you know, I'm not 100% sure that it's it's more than just Feather taking the decision to retire right now. Maybe this is the, the last year playing with his brother. We don't know what's going to happen with Gonzalo. So, you know, I would say that I think in the end it was his decision. Um, I, I think would have... Maybe think about bringing him back if he was available. Um, I think he has been a good player, and and going back to the locker room talk, to, to I think you know he's a good player inside the locker room. He, he seems to be a good one, so um, I think it's all about Fede just you know understanding this is the time to to retire and and move on to the next step. I do think he does bring a lot inside that locker room and, and just as a professional because, you know, we, we only get to see, by and large, 15 minutes of practice once a week at this point um, post-COVID. Sometimes we get 30 minutes, but normally 15. And every time I've seen Federico in drills, especially early on this season when they trained a little bit closer to us, the way he went about drills, he like to me, this is just me, he never seemed to take any drill for granted or was never really going through the motions. Whereas some players, you kind of see them just going through the motions. They don't really want to be doing the the warm-up drills or the stretching or whatever. Federico always looked honed into me, always super focused and, and just a uh, complete professional about it, which, uh, which you know, kudos to him because at 37, you know, you, you have to have a certain type of mentality and a certain type of, of mindset to, to take every practice 
in that way. So I definitely think he, he brought a lot to the team, not, not only on the field when we did see him play, but uh, off the field as well in terms of, uh, you know, he's kind of a, uh, an example to, to follow. Next question comes from Talk Inter at Miami CF. Who is the one player that disappointed you the most and who is the one player that impressed you the most? It's a good question. Season's not over, but it's a good question. Jose, we can start with you on this one since I went first on the last one. All right. Um, the player that disappointed me the most. Oh, my God. I think this is a long list, but I'm, I'm going to Give go- us one. It says the most. Just one. Um... I don't know. Oh my god, what a tough question! <laughs> you, you, do you want me to start? Do you want me to start while you uh, while you think about it? I I think I have I have two choices. I have two choices. Um, one of them is Pizarro, right? Just because you know he was playing with a a, a I don't know if a, a top player anymore, but Gonzalo Wayne, you know, he's a quality player for MLS still, and so. I don't think he took advantage of the opportunity of playing alongside him. That That's the one thing, the one player. And, and the second one to me would be uh, Juli Carranza, just because, you know, um, he, he was not able to convince Phil uh, at any point during the season that he at least should be considered to come in the game. Uh, I, I'm not going to say start because that seems so... Uh, that seems like a fantasy at this point, you know. It, it's it feels like he he never got got that chance, and and I do believe that's that takes uh, he needs to take on that responsibility as well of why that didn't happen. You know, it, it has to be on him, and it has to be it has to come from training sessions. You know, he has to be impressive there. He needs to work, and so he he never he was never able to accomplish that. So those are the two players that disappointed me, and. Um, and for the player that impressed me the most, I think it was, uh, and I think we, I don't know if we will agree on this one, but I think Gregory, for me, mm-hmm. it's the player that impressed me the most because he came in and, and you know, it, it was a quick turnaround for him as well, um, coming from a completely different place. And, and, and he, just a few weeks after he got in for the first time, he was the captain of the team. So, and of course, you know, a lot of quality as well in the middle of the field for Inter Miami coming from him. So that's that's the player that impressed me the most. So I'll keep it short and sweet, and I will say that I fully 100% agree with you that Gregory's been the most impressive player this year, and I think he's been the best player this year. So easily 100% agree with you. The, the most disappointing, I think, for me is between two players, but I know which one my answer goes with. And, and I think for me it's between Rodolfo Pizarro and Blaise Matuidi. I would go Blaise Matuidi because last year... When we saw that midfield, whether it was Blaise Matuidi and Victor Ulloa or Blaise Matuidi and Will Trapp, we, we said then, or at least I said then, that Inter-Miami needed a number six next to him that, that would help uh, do a lot of the dirty work defensively, and that would free up Blaise Matuidi. And they got a number six. They got Gregory, who, again, we both think is the most uh, impressive player this season for Inter-Miami. And even with that number six next to him, Blaise Matuidi still, still did not raise his level. He probably even regressed from what we saw last year. And and just was not good from him. You know, Pizarro, he hasn't had a great season, but I think that has as much to do with the chemistry that he has with Gonzalo Higuain than it has to do with, you know, just his individual performance levels alone. I think that, you know, there's there's more to it than that. Whereas Blaise Matuidi just hasn't hasn't lived up 
anywhere close to expectations and not been anywhere near consistent enough in the middle of the park there for Inter Miami. Next question comes from Luis, and he says, Franco, where was Gonzalo at the time his brother announced his retirement? Was he there? Any comments from him? And then he has another question for all three of us, and it says, well, two of us because Steve is no longer in the building, but Luis also says, to all three, as a supporter, I'm not willing to applaud or thank this team after a failed season. Do you sense they know they failed the supporters, or is it business as usual? My guess, based on them not coming up to thank La Familia at the end of the season, is the latter. So I will start with the first one since it's directed right at me. Gonzalo was in the room, in the press conference room at Drive Pink Stadium. He was part of the entire team that walked in to to watch Federico in his final post or his final press conference as an Inter Miami player. And you know he was there. He took it all in. He he applauded very very respectfully and a very uh, in a very admirable way. The way he applauded for his brother there at the end showed a lot of respect. Uh, as did as did the entire team that stood up and gave him a standing ovation after the press conference. He was the first one to walk up to him after the press conference wrapped up and gave him a very big brotherly emotional hug. And then the rest of the team followed suit. So Gonzalo was there. He did not make any comments. Obviously, uh, we we weren't we didn't have a chance to speak to him there. But he was there at the time of the announcement. As for the other question, Jose, what do you think? Do you think uh, the team has a sense that they failed the supporters, or is it business as usual? No, I think they understand exactly that the expectations were not met this year. I do believe that, you know, um, especially Phil, you know, he, he I, 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 I think he has that, that level of compromise that you can feel comfortable with if, you, if you're a fan. Uh, I, I don't believe that he's... Uh, uh, a careless coach. I, I think he he takes uh, another responsibility of leading this team um, because he believes in in in, in the organization. He believes, of course, uh, I think he has a, a relationship with with David Beckham that's important to him, and and he, he doesn't want to disappoint his friend. So, so I, I do believe they do care. They do care. But remember, you know, uh, I think the the team is still struggling from a from a rough start. You know, and not not talking about on the field stuff, but off the field with Paul McDonough and everything that went on in that first year. I think still they haven't been able to recover. And I don't know how long is it going to take. Hopefully it's not that long. But um, I, I do believe that they, they, they care. But I completely understand Luis with his comments. And and and, and I think that 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 attitude is is beneficial for the team because that shows that you have um Fans that actually care about the team, and they're not—they're not going to the, to the, to the games just to uh, find some entertainment. And it's not the same for these fans to go watch a sporting event. It's a special to go to Inter Miami games, and 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 I personally appreciate that. I think that's that's good to have. No, I I respect and understand. The, the frustration he has and I you know I, to answer his question I think that the team knows that they failed the supporters but I do think and it obviously is just how you are as a person how you consume the sport I do think that there is an element and you, you saw it this this past weekend and you know it's a bit of a juxtaposition here where you had some fans that cheered on the team after the final whistle of a loss and after a season to say thank you and you know we'll always be with you which which is you know that's that's fine and and, and understandable but then you also had you know, fans in the stands that had some more critical 
banners and that we're not happy and have not been happy with what they've seen this year. But there is those those two sides of it where you have fans that will be just happy with the team uh, overall for for being out there and putting you know what they did into it, and then there's other people that will not ex- will not be okay with with eleventh place that have higher expectations and that want to see those expectations met. So I see both sides of it. I do think the team knows that they that they failed and they did not come anywhere close to to what they wanted to do. So next question. And as, as for, I do want to add this part. He says, you know, they didn't go, come up to La Familia. Look, from what I saw is that they went around the whole stadium, they kicked balls around and, you know, they, they signed some autographs. So I don't know if, you know, I don't think they omitted La Familia. I, I mean, from what I saw, I'm pretty sure that they, they did it for all four sections of the stadium. But, um, you know, I don't know if there was anything added or anything different for La Familia in addition to that. But, um, you know, that's just what I saw during those post-game uh, ceremonies or whatever you call it. Maybe he expected something more for the supporters group. Maybe that's, Maybe. that's his point. They, they did went around around the field. Yeah, yeah. So next question comes from Gerald. If the team is as bad as this year's by the halfway mark, do you think Neville is sacked? What do you think it would take to warrant a coaching change? I will say no. I'm, I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet. I will say no. The only the only way possible like I could see it is if they're dead last by by next summer. And even then I think it'd still be a hard hard thing to for Inter Miami to 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 go through or to go with to to let him go. I I just think he's got a good bit of job security here. Yeah, I I think you know, I would give him one more year here and it's going to be a full season for him um especially with the with the roster situation coming up i i think the season for inter miami doesn't necessarily start in march but i think you know it's going to be a quick turnaround and i i believe by the start actually of the games in the 2022 season um we can set our expectations on this team if they have a good roster then maybe that's the case halfway and they're not competing there's no attitude there's there's no intensity they're certain elements that are you know required for for a top team um if they don't have those then maybe but i do believe they're going to give him one at least one more year yeah i I just think that there's you know there will be built in i don't know if i want to say excuses but there will be reasonings for why they'll they'll they could explain if they get off to a poor start next year, and it'll be, you know, there's a lot of transition. We have a lot of new players coming in. We've been hit with sanctions. We're still trying to, to piece all these things together. It's a process. So, I, again, I just don't think it'll happen. Unless they're playing very poorly and they're in last place in the Eastern Conference, maybe then. But even then, I'm, I'm still not 100% convinced that they'll they'll part ways with him if, if things aren't going well. Hopefully, for the team's sake and for you listeners and the fans, hopefully the team gets off to a much better start next year and is in a better place at the midway point of the season. Next question comes from Gabe P and he says, Phil played without a nine, a striker last game for the last 35 minutes. Why didn't he add Huli to the game? It worked the previous match. It proved that he didn't know what his team needed. Who could replace Phil if he leaves? I know he won't leave, but if he does, who do you see coming from MLS? Jose, do you want to tackle that one or do you want me to start? Yeah, well, it's it's a short answer for me because <laughs> listen, that's something that I was thinking about as well. Um, but I I have given up on on Huli. Everybody listening to the past to this podcast knows that I've been rooting for Huli Carranza to get his opportunity. But 
listen, I, I think the situation is it's very clear here. Um, if you need a, a goal scorer and Juli Carranza is supposed to be that player for everybody outside the club, and if he's not getting that opportunity, I, I'm going to trust Phil that, you know, what, what, he, what the decision that he made was based on what, he's, what he sees every, every day in training. And, and if it's not enough, what, what Juli Carranza is doing at the time, I'm going to have to trust Phil. So I was disappointed again because, of course, you want to see the guy get an opportunity, especially after being one of the first signings of the team. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think this is a good match for him. And hopefully he gets the opportunity someplace else. So disappointed, not surprised at all. I would say, I would say, who could replace Phil? Because the question was about Phil. Who could replace Phil if he left or if he, you know, if the team parted ways? I think an assistant in MLS would would probably be the way to go if you could find one. I mean, there are other candidates out there that don't have jobs currently, like you know, Luchi Gonzalez. But you know, does he fit what Inter Miami wants to do? I mean, look, I, I think Chris Henderson, he has a good network of of contacts because he's been in and around this league for so long, not only as a player, but as a front office member. So, look, I think that the pool would be wide. For me to pinpoint and hone in, I'd probably have to think a little bit more as to as to who they could who they could go with if they wanted to. Who would be their, you know, their top five candidates within the league uh, if, if that's the route they wanted to take. But next question comes from Endo. Update on Gene Mota, short and sweet. And I've said that a few times here, but update, short, update on Gene Mota, short and sweet. I would say I haven't heard anything new. Still 2BD, but... Again, where there's smoke, there's fire, so maybe expect to see him in Inter Miami jersey in 2022. Jose, next question comes from Sal Paradise. Which current players do you think will still be with the team at the start of next season? I think that's a, I think that's a question for the, for the end of season pod. What do you think? Or do you do you want to try to give it a go here? Um, I can give you t- two names. I can give you two names, and and this question reminds me of Pedro Gonzalez of El Nuevo Hero because he actually asked me this question. <laughs> so you're ready. <laughs> and no, it, it was hard to come up with five players. He asked me for five players, and it, it was really really hard. But I would say. I can give you Gregory, of course. I will keep Marsman as well. And uh, uh, the other name that we were thinking about is maybe Makun. Makun's coming just back for sure. Of the progress. No, but I mean, we're talking players that... Oh, let me see. Maybe we have we had a different question in the press box the other day. On Saturday, we were talking about the players that we would bring back. You know, mm. if, if it's our decision. Right. So okay. the players that... We'll be back in terms of contracts and all. You know, that's that's another question. But those are the three players that came to my mind. Those three players that I would I would bring back if it, if it was my decision to bring them back. If you had to put a list of names, those three would probably be at the top of the list of players that are likely likely to come back in 2022. We can dive into that one in a little bit more depth and, and in detail once the season comes to an end, so maybe next week or the week after, we will answer these questions with much more uh, discourse very, very soon, Sal Paradise. And he, Sal Paradise did have a second question. It's the last question, and it was for El Primo. He says, question for El Primo. He used to cover the tune, which is Newcastle United. What would he think about Miami bringing in Hatim Ben Arfa next year? He'd be 35, but still has some magic left, and he's a free agent. So Steve is not here to answer the question, but Steve did answer it very shortly and briefly on Twitter, and he said that would be interesting, very talented player. So that is Steve's response, and with that, we will wrap up this podcast. Now, 
we have our final thoughts to give. And there are there's a couple of talking points that we haven't really touched on. One is the well, I guess we have touched on one of them a bit, which is with the fans. But one, and it'll be my final thought, I'll start first and I'll, and you can go after me, Jose, if that's okay, is that Nick Marsman suffered an injury in this last game against New York City FC. He collided with Breck Shea, looked to be having a, some sort of knee issue, was subbed out of the game. John McCarthy came in his first appearance since July. And after the game, although we didn't get an exact diagnosis, Phil Neville did say it appears to be some medial ligament type of issue. That's a knee issue. Phil Neville said he, you know, it's unlikely that that Nick Marsman plays on the weekend in the season finale. So maybe that's changed since then because we haven't spoken to the team yet. We'll talk to them on Friday, but I doubt Nick Marsman plays, and that's just a, a bummer for him and a bummer for the team that you know, just so close to the end, he suffers an injury that now he's going to have to recover from. Hopefully, it doesn't take too long for him and the team's sake because if it, if it carries over into 2022 or it lingers over into 2022. That can affect the team's plans and how they have to prepare. You know who who will be the number two, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So something to keep an eye on uh, going into this weekend's game as well as the off season. Jose, what is your final thoughts? Did you want to talk about the fans, or do you have something else you wanted to to converse about? I, I want to end on a positive note, so I'm gonna go back to Miami FC because they made it to the playoffs and they will be playing this coming Saturday um, against Louisville. So. Um, kudos to uh, the the players and and all the Miami FC fans. I don't know if there are any Miami FC and Inter Miami fans. I know there was some sort of rivalry, question. but I don't know if that is completely out of the picture now, knowing that they compete in completely different leagues. But listen, um, it's a Miami team, and they are in the playoffs. They are still um, hopeful that they can win the the US World Championship title. Only their second year in the league, so. Best of luck to Miami FC over the weekend. Hopefully hopefully they get a win and move on to the next round. Okay, well then I will quickly ask you, what you know, what did you think about that banner? That banner that, that was out there that that uh, your colleague Andrea took a picture of. What did you think of of that? Were you taken aback by that? Or do you think it's it's fine? Or do you think it's a little bit out of line? What do you think about the the banner that had the choice words, which we will not repeat, it was in Spanish. It pretty much said yeah. the players had no spirit and the players were, you know, they were crap uh, and that they need to play for the colors and for the supporters. So what, what did you think of that banner? It was only a small section of the fans. There was a much bigger banner and much bigger signs in, in La Familia, in the supporter section that, you know, were encouraging and supporting of Inter Miami. But that one, that one was, was pretty pointed with criticism. So what did you think uh, on that really quickly? I, I don't agree with the choice of words there. Um, but I get it. I get it. You know, from the fans, I, I think they had the right to voice their opinion. And, um, I actually, I'm a positive guy. So, um, <laughs> I, I would say this is, this is something that, um, that ownership needs to look at and, um, and stay away from criticizing and just understanding the type of fans they have. This is something very Latin American, right. and if you're gonna embrace your fan base as La Familia, you have to understand that these are situations that are uh, built within the Latin American fans. So yes. um, that that that's on the responsibility. If you want, if you like for them to cheer and, mm -hmm. and chant all day long, then you have to take the other side as well. So um, I think this is positive. If you have fans that really care. 
about your team. They, they'll show it when you're winning and when you're losing. So that that's that's my take on this one. And and hopefully we don't see them again if they if they if they start winning games next year. Yeah, but, we don't see the banners again. We, we you know Inter Miami wants to see the fans back in the stadium. Right. No, of course the banners. I'm talking about the banners. <laughs> hopefully we don't get to see those again. But uh, listen, it's it's part off spart off and then and, and and i'm actually you know okay with it it's just the words I, I would change some of the words that they used but other than that i'm 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 okay with that with it and and, and i think it's something important for people to understand what the fans wanted um it, it's not to hurt the team it's to make them realize that, that they have to be better so I'm, i'm i'm okay with it i think you summed that up perfectly jose because i i Don't have a problem with it. This is a team that came out very ambitious out of the gates. It's the message they that they sold uh, to the fans that they you know they told us in the media, and you know with that passion, like you said, expertly comes you know really high highs when things are going well, but also some criticism when things are on the lower end. And if you want fans, like you said, banging on the drums and chanting and putting up those videos of how great the the fan fervor is in South Florida. During the course of the season, well, then with that will come also some some frustration when things don't go well. So you know, I don't know if Inter Miami will address that you know internally with those with the supporters groups or not. But you know, like you said, I hope that they do not because if you are bad, if your season is bad, and you're an ambitious team, then you're you're going to be criticized, and that's just part of it. Now, if you do well, they will love you and they will express that 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 happiness and that joy as well but you know you can't just pick and choose which parts of of the passion you want i hope inter miami doesn't go that route but anyway let's leave it there it's been a good healthy podcast this week we'll be back again next week to put a bow on this season and start looking ahead a little bit more closely to the winter and to the off season so for jose armando for steve Brenner, I am Franco Penizo. This is Miami Total Football Radio. And we will talk to you guys again next week.